0: Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's word. So Let's read from Luke 6, 46-49. So Jesus said, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep, dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, and in the King James it says on sand, against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell. The flood came, right? And the ruin of that house was great. So you see, we are all master builders because we are all building our lives. So now in Luke 6, 46, Jesus said, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? So let's look at what he says. Let's look at some of the things that Jesus says. So we'll go, we'll stay in Luke chapter six, and we'll read verses 27 through 38. Verses 27 through 38 in the same chapter, Luke six. It says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do what? Love Love your enemies. Mm. Get them back, know. If they did to you, Mm. you do to them. That's the normal human nature, love. right? Jesus said love. Not, mm-hmm. just, not just those that maybe you don't get along with, but your outright enemies. Love them. Wow. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. Mm. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want me to do to you, you also also do to them likewise. I'm sorry, it's actually said, and just as you want men to do to you, you do to them likewise. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners, to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful." Now that, ladies and gentlemen, that is a hard saying. That is why they say living the Christian life is not hard. It is impossible unless you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. To love those who outright hate you, your enemies who persecute you, those who spitefully use you, who want to see you hurt, and you love them, that takes the supernatural power and grace of God. Mm. That takes the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So, and what what does it mean? Like, if I am to live like that, that means that I am to continually forgive. Mm. I must continually forgive in my heart because if I harbour it in my heart, I'll become bitter, right? So I have to continually forgive. Now that really takes the power and miracle of God. So let's look now in Luke 17, Luke chapter 17, verse 1 through 10. Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him If a millstone were hung around his neck, you know what a millstone is? They had these big two stones, they put the grain of of, uh, wheat or whatever they were grinding between the two stones, and then they would turn the uh, stones and it would cross it into flour. Now, one of those stones, I mean, what would they weigh a ton? Imagine your head was stuck through that. You had absolutely no hope of survival. You had that around your head and tossed into the sea. That's it. You're done. Amen? But Jesus said, even that horrible death would be better for you. And it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, and that is, as we know, the smallest seed in the world. You can say to this mulberry tree, or sycamine tree, be pulled up by the roots, and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And which of you, having a servant, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? No, will, will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper, and gird yourself and serve me until I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. So in other words, when once we do forgive, it's not like we have done some great things that we should be praised for. We've simply done what was our duty to do. Amen? So let's look at what verse 1. Jesus said, It is impossible that no offenses should come. In other words, Jesus, Ah, yay, that is now nice. Jesus is not promising us a perfect life just because we come to him. We still live in a fallen world, and there are still imperfections in this world, right? And man, each one of us has been given free choice. God does not control man as a puppet, so he gave man free choice, so there will always be some that in this fallen state will do things that can offend us, amen? But did you know that offense is always taken You always hear he took offense. You never hear he was given offense. In other words, we decide how what other people say or do affects us. Right? We do, but if we live in the flesh, we won't have the strength to withstand when these quote unquote floods comes against us. We need to learn to live in the spirit and truly make the Lord The strength of our lives. What do I mean by that? I mean that when I think and reason in my mind, it's not my own accusatory thoughts that Mm. keep playing. It is the word of God. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus expect of me? What does the word say? And that's how he is my strength, when it's his word that I go by and not my own emotions or feelings. Amen? Also, okay, let's skip that. So, like for example, if I do take offense, what do I do? Say I'm super offended. Number one, I'm definitely angry. I'm bitter. I'm ready to lash back get back at whatever, because enough is enough, right? Yeah. I get all these negative, strong emotions. But all of that, what spirit is that? Is that the spirit of the Lord? No. no, I'm not abiding in Christ. When I get like that, I am not abiding in Christ. Because it says in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, that the fruits of the spirit is love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and that against such there is no law. So in Ephesians 4.27 it says, Neither give place to the devil. But when I allow myself to get out of the spirit, get angry, get mad, get bent on getting back, I actually am giving place to the devil. Because I am giving place to his spirit in my heart. And then that spirit will control my actions and my thoughts. And is the devil my friend? No. He's out to what? He's to kill, steal, and destroy. Destroy. So I risk a a big danger if I allow myself to take offense. I really am bent on destruction. Because I have let the enemy I have given place to the enemy in my heart. So when we don't take offense, it's not just that we wanna be so good and so holy towards somebody else, although that's very noble, but really we want to protect our own lives by not allowing the enemy to enter in like that. Amen? Amen. So in Luke 17, we're still in that same passage of scriptures, verse three and four. He says, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Now I'd like us just to go, Matthew includes another interesting detail. We'll be back in Luke 17, but let's just have a a look at Matthew 18:21 and 22. Matthew 18:21 and 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, "Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me?" It sounds like the disciples had some getting along issues, huh? And I forgive him up to seven times." You said seven, right? You said seven times seven. I mean, seven times, right? Yeah. And Jesus said, So I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And they were talking about it in one day. Yeah. What does that mean? What was Jesus saying? You have to keep on forgiving. Keep on keeping on forgiving. That is why we need the Holy Spirit. We need to make the Lord the strength of our lives. Mm-hmm. To live the Christian life, we need to be in relationship with the Lord. Amen? <laughs> but, but now, of course he said, if he repents, mm-hmm. if he repents, then you forgive, right? If he keeps on keeping. But also you have to realize, I just want to quickly mention that there is forgiveness and there is trust. Mm-hmm. Some people feel they just cannot forgive because they feel that means that they now must trust that person 100%. But forgiving and trusting is two different things. I can forgive someone, someone might really hurt me, but I forgive them. But it doesn't mean that I automatically trust them. Say somebody came in, say Emily worked in the office, she trusted someone, came in, they worked for her, they stole all of her money. She can forgive them, In other words, she doesn't persecute them, report them to the police, get them thrown in jail, she forgives them. But, the next day she doesn't let them back in to work with all the money again. She does not yet trust them, trust has to be earned. Forgiveness is a gift, but trust has to be earned. But she will still be loving. She's not gonna be to the person, I don't wanna see you again, she sees them, she greets them, she's kind, she's loving, but she doesn't trust them. You have to earn the trust, please amen? don't get any ideas. Eh? <laughs> <Ever>? <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah, now, please. <laughs> so now in Luke seventeen five, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. They just said, this is asking too much, huh? I mean, we can't do it. So they realized it was not in them in their natural selves, to live such a supernatural life. So, I also wanted just to say, like when I said, if you say, I just can't forgive someone. For those who say they can't, they can't. And for those who say they can, they can. You set your own selves, what you can or cannot do. Amen? Amen. But as followers of Jesus... We want Jesus to direct our decisions, what we decide that we can or cannot do. Amen? So in verse 6, Luke 17, 6, And the Lord said, If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Now I want you to notice He said, you might say to this sycamine tree, be plucked up by the root and be planted. He didn't say, and be cast into the sea. Now what happens if I cast something into the sea? You know what's gonna happen? Eventually, it's gonna wash up on shore again. Mm -hmm. And I have to deal with it again. I have to continually cast it back out, right? But if it is planted in the sea, It's not going to wash back up. It's going to be staying there, right? Now, I want to just mention, so what's the difference between casting in the sea and planting? Like in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, it says to cast down every imagination that exalts itself against the Lord. And imagination is a thought. So we can cast thoughts down, right? But in Mark 4, it says that the sower sowed the seed, and it said the seed was the word of God. There's a difference between the thought and the word. When we say the seed, the sower sowed the seed, we can also say he planted the seed, Mm. right? So for me to actually plant that sycamore tree in the ocean, I have to speak to it. I cannot just Struggle with the thoughts and telling myself, I'm not going to think of that. I, I mean, I can and I ought to, but I have to do more than that. Mm-hmm. I have to command it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to speak it. Yes. That's how I plan. Mm-hmm. Because the seed is the Word of God. So mm-hmm. I command. I am not going to give in to that thought anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bitterness, I command you. Mm. Unforgiveness in the name of Jesus, get removed from Amen. me. Be planted in the Amen. sea. Amen. Do not come back. Yes. I speak, and I speak with conviction. Yes. I speak, and I expect it to be so. Yes. Amen? Amen? Because Amen. if I just struggle with my thoughts, I cast ah. it, I cast it, I cast down that imagination, I cast it, it's going to keep washing up on my shore. I speak to it, I plant it, and that is how. It will be removed from me, Amen. Amen. So that is praise the Lord. That's what we need to have, guys. So we need to open our mouths. It says, "Let the Lord fill our mouths and speak forth." We can't be this quiet. What will people think? Or I don't want to be heard speaking out loud. And that. Are we man-pleasers or are we God-pleasers? Where is our conviction? Where is our do or die? Where is our humility? We have to be humble to walk with the Lord our God. It requires humility. Lord, I love you. You love the Lord, you weirdo. Nobody loves the Lord nowadays. So what? I love the Lord. Mm. Amen? And I will speak because he said to speak. It's not just my own idea. I am doing the saying of Jesus. And what did Jesus say earlier? That if you don't do the saying, that house was, when the flood came, it was destroyed and great was the destruction of it. Mm. So I must, if I want to be built strongly upon the rock, I must do the sayings of Jesus. And part of the sayings of Jesus, besides loving our enemies, besides forgiving all of that, is to speak the word, speak forth. That's one of the laws of faith, that we open our mouths and speak. It says the word, not the thought, the word of God is a sharp two-edged sword. Bear we. So that is our weapon, that is our weapon. Don't have, you know it's like an army, say you're all fully equipped with the latest weaponry that can defeat any enemy. But we refuse to use it. Lord, you do it all. Lord, you just do it. What kind of army is that? We need to mobilize. Like Emily was saying, we need to be there. Not just go witnessing, be witnesses. We need to be doers of the word. If we don't do, we're gonna suffer all the consequences. we're gonna end up one day if I only had if I only had taken a stand, if I only had been more militant, if I only had put my foot down. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. I know the Lord is backing me up. He already promised me that I am the victor, but like the children of Israel, they had to go and fight for the promised land. It wasn't served them on a the platter. They had to do their fight. But the victory was promised. Amen. Our victory is promised, promised, but we have to do our part. Yes. Like for example, in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, it says, take my yoke upon me. Now what did that mean? What does it mean? When two oxen get yoked together, that means they're gonna now work together. Yeah. It doesn't mean that one oxen is gonna do all the work. Lord, you do it all. You just do it, Lord, do it, Lord, do it, Lord, and meanwhile, I don't do. I, I believe that the Lord will do in the supernatural, but I must do in the natural, because I'm here, in the natural. But I can't just do what I think I should do. I need to work like a yoke. You're so close, you're side by side, and I need to have my ear tuned, and what he tells me to do in the natural. That's what I need to be doing in the natural. But I need to be a doer of what he says to do if I want the fruitfulness. Amen? Amen. Now also another thing Jesus said, if you shall say to this (coughs) sycamine tree, this, makes a specific reference to a specific kind of tree, right? So a sycamine tree had a very large and deep root system. Good morning, welcome. Happy to see you. So what, So now because, because Jesus didn't just say if you shall say to a tree, he said if you shall say to this sycamine tree. So it had a very large and deep root structure. And the wood was preferred wood for building caskets, coffins, what you put dead people in. And it produced a fig that was very bitter to the taste. There were different kinds of fig trees. One was called the mulberry, mulberry, and that was a very sweet, expensive fig. But this particular kind was very bitter. And it was pollinated by wasps. So now let's just look at the first so this sigamine tree was very, very difficult to root up because the roots did, went so deep down that even if you cut it off at the base, it would come up again because it was reaching way down to the underground water. So it was always finding nourishment. So it was very difficult to eradicate or get, get rid of. And that is like an example of bitterness and unforgiveness. It can be very difficult because the emotion of it, the feelings of it, the offense of it can go so deep that it can be very difficult to eradicate. And it takes, as I said, it takes a serious decision to get rid of it. We cannot just cast it. It'll keep coming back up. Mm. We've got to speak, we've got to command, Mm. we've got to plant it in the sea. And that we do with our words out. Now. Amen? Amen. And then it grew, this sigamine tree, it grew quickly. So that is why it was, and it grew in any environment, whether even very dry environment, it, it grew and it grew quickly. And that's one of the reasons why it was so um, famous for being used for caskets and coffins because it was like in abundance and easy to grow. And so does bitterness and unforgiveness. It doesn't take long for all of these evil forces to get out of control and start taking over our lives. Amen? Amen. So When these fast-growing and ugly attitudes, when they are allowed to grow freely, they not only spoil the condition of your own heart, but they ruin our relationships with other people as well. Mm. And... The tree grew where there was little rain, very sparse. And the water was sparse just like bitterness and unforgiveness. Where where we have a spiritually dry condition or situation, these negative emotions flourish. Amen? Amen. And don't forget now it was the preferred wood for caskets or coffins. So it In other words, bitterness and unforgiveness are deadly. Mm. They separate us from the spirit of the Lord because it's not the Lord's spirit. Amen? Now, the mulberry figs were delicious and therefore expensive. Remember I told you there's the sigamine and there's the mulberry. Mm. The mulberry grew big, sweet, uh, delicious figs that were very expensive. So basically just the wealthy people could afford to buy those figs. So, but the sigamine tree, because it was very sharp in the taste, very bitter, so the poor people, it was cheap. So the poor people, they would eat the fig fig from the sigamine tree, but it was so bitter that they couldn't eat, you couldn't eat a whole one at a time. You'd get one, you'd nibble a little bit, then you'd have to take a break, then you'd go back and then you would nibble a little bit Again, you'd have to take a pause in between. You could never just devour the whole thing. So Jesus said that the fruit of bitterness and unforgiveness is sharp and bitter, just like those sigma fix. Yeah. And most people who are bitter and filled with unforgiveness chew on their feelings for a long time. They chew on those negative, this self-pity, this offense, they keep mulling it over and over, and you know, they, some actually enjoy that self-pity, they' <coughs> yeah, poor you, right? But it's deadly, it's like eating poison. Mm. They nibble on bitterness for a while, then they pause to digest what they've eaten. <coughs> After they have reflected deeply on their offense, they return to the memory table to start nibbling on bitterness again. Taking one little bite, then another little bite, then another, as they continue to think and meditate on their offenses, they internalize their bitter feelings towards those who have offended them. In the end, their perpetual nibbling on the poisonous fruit of bitterness makes them makes them bitter, sour people yeah. themselves, and they end up isolating themselves from mm-hmm. other people. Other people do not enjoy their fellowship because of the bitterness, amen, the unforgiveness. We cannot overcome in our own strength, but we are not in our own strength. The Lord is the strength. He has made himself fully available to us. He's even in us. So we do not have to fall prey to bitterness and unforgiveness. What we have to do is really draw closer to the Lord, be in closer relationship with him, he is the strength of our lives. Amen. And He is available to each and every one of us. We have the Holy Spirit, the empowerment to live the supernatural life of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Okay, and now it said that the only way the this sycamine tree could be pollinated was by wasps. So what wasps would do, they would go to the fruit and they would stick their stinger right into the heart of the fruit. And that is again another illustration of what bitterness does. It's like people feel they're stung, stabbed right in the heart. When stuff like that happens, right? So so to get rid of this from one's life. We must have the size of a grain of a mustard seed. Right? Faith, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in other words, like for example what I said before, Jesus said, the disciples said, oh, we need a lot of faith to be able to forgive again and again and again. Please give us more. We need more from you, Jesus. Jesus said, no, you've got enough. As I said before, the difference between me casting down thoughts and me speaking out loud, how much faith does it take for me to speak out loud? That doesn't require that much faith. That's the difference. Speak it. Command it. Jesus said in, my, in Isaiah 45, 11, concerning the works of my hands, commanding me, Command your situations. He didn't say command people, but command the situations. Command the bitterness to go. Command the unforgiveness to be cast out but speaking. And mean it. And you have to do it in faith. You have to mix it with faith. In your heart, expect that it will be so. Because you said so in obedience to the word of God. You didn't just continue on suffering on and on and I'll never get rid of this and I'll never be able to forgive. So so. If you say you never will be, you never will be. So true. If you say the Lord is my strength, I'm not alone. Mm. The Lord is my helper. Amen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Then you can do it. Because you make the Lord your strength. And you, I am doing this, Lord, in obedience to your word. Not in obedience to my feelings. Yeah. Because my flesh does not feel like it. Yes. I'm doing this in obedience to the Lord. So Lord comes through for me. And yeah. he will. He will. But <coughs> we have got to do our part. Like I said, two oxen yoked together. The one cannot just decide yeah. to lie down. Do nothing the other one will not be able to do anything. You've got to work together, we've got to work together, and we work together by being doers, doers of the Word of God. And that means we cannot just be passive, we've got to stir up, we've got to really have conviction. How does this conviction come? Through the Word of God, through our spending time in the Word of God. Letting him renew our mind, renew our expectations, renew our behavior, because that's what it will do. Amen? Amen. Amen. So now let's look at Romans 14, 10 through 12. Romans 14, 10 through 12. It says, but why do you judge your brother? This is now the Apostle Paul speaking. Or why do you sow contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Now, Let's go back to the subject of building our lives, right? We we saw in Luke 6 that Jesus said there were two men that built, one was wise and the other was foolish. The one who dug deep. You got to do a little bit of deep of digging. You got to dig deep and you got to get down to the root in your heart and, and be honest with yourself and the Lord and then you got to get to the rock. Who is the rock? Jesus Christ is the rock. Got to get to the rock. Oh, Jesus said to do it this way. That's how I'm going to do it. Yeah. Jesus said to forgive. I don't feel like forgiving, yeah, but, but, I'm but I'm look, forgive. I want to build on the rock. Yes. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to plant that bitterness, plant that unforgiveness in the seed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen? Amen. So now, let uh, So here in Romans 14.10, Paul said we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Let's look at that. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 through 15. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 through 15. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, you are a master builder, You and I, we are master builders of our own lives. Amen? Amen. But now, Paul said, referred to himself as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds thereon. But let every man take heed, heed how he builds thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Who is the foundation? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now Paul said that he was a wise master builder who laid the foundation. The foolish man Jesus spoke about in Luke 6 did not lay a foundation for his house. In other words, he did not believe in or live by the faith of Jesus Christ. Amen? The foundation laid is the doctrine Paul taught about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We don't have time to get into it, but if we would do a little word study about what Paul referred to, he was always talking about being called to preach the gospel. The gospel is a very specific message. It is about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. And that is now the doctrine that we are to build our lives on. That is the rock. Amen? (coughs) And remember, as God's children, we are admonished to live by faith. That means you can't lean to your own understanding. In faith, you cannot lean to your own understanding. To live by faith, you have to take certain risks. You have to trust. You have to trust that you have a father up above. That when you obey that father, he's going to back you up. Amen? And trust, that is something that comes, as we said, by faith. So, that is what we need to put our faith in and our trust and confidence in, and we need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. First um, Corinthians three, twelve and 13. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's works shall be made manifest, For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Many people, when they read this, switch over and think, Aha, there is a day coming when God is going to judge our performance. And the reason they do that is because of the word work that's used in verse 13. But what did Jesus come to do? In John 12, 32, he said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all, it says men, but actually the subject, and men is in italic. Italic means the slanted print, right? So whenever a word is in that slanted print, it means that whoever translated the text, inserted that word in an attempt to make it more clearly understood, but, if you read the context, it was actually referring to judgment. So Jesus said that if he be lifted up, if he be crucified and lifted up on the cross, completes the work that he was sent to do, then he would draw all judgment unto himself. He became sin, so that all sin was judged in Jesus. Right? So do you think now at the, judgment seat of Christ that we are gonna now come and be judged for our own performance? No. 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 So okay. So Paul but Paul is still admonishing us about how we built on the foundation. The foundation of the doctrinal truth that he taught. Now I just want to make a little sidestep. I want to say that, okay no maybe I'll just carry on as I am. Okay. So Paul is still admonishing about how we build the foundation. What foundation? The foundation of doctrinal truth. The foundation of what are you building your life on. Do you know that everybody believes something? We all believe something. Whether you're Christian or not Christian, everyone believes. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a belief system of what they think to be right or wrong. Everybody. Right? But we, so, we are to build on the foundation of the doctrinal truth that Paul taught. Paul is talking about how you build your belief system. Not everyone man's work shall be, shall be uh, judged or tried. But he's talking, what is your work? Your work is your belief system. Your work is building your belief system. It says here, What's how you build your life, how you build your belief system. Building our belief system is likened to work by Jesus. In John 6, John 6, 29, Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. And in 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18, it says, let the rulers let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially the, those who labor in the word and doctrine. It is labor, it is work to truly believe because we have got to come to the rock and we've got to get on the mind of God, put on the mind of Christ. We've got to actually even forsake the wrong beliefs that we have accumulated somehow. this work to really think through what do I believe and find out. Here comes a question. What does God's word say about it? It requires that we be students. Nobody would say that a student, a diligent student is not working. Students work hard. Amen? Amen. So, in, um, in Hebrews four eleven. Okay, I just forgot. 1 Timothy 6:12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. So to keep faith, to hang on to faith, is a fight. Yeah. That's not passive, passivity. That is a work. You would say soldiers who go and fight, they work. Amen? We are to fight for our faith. It yeah. requires something out of us. It requires that we stir up. It requires that we have the conviction and go through with what we believe. Amen, so that is our work. So in Hebrews 4.11, it says, Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man should fall after the same example of unbelief. So here he is equating not resting, not resting, with unbelief. Resting equals belief. Not resting is unbelief. Amen. So what is gold, silver, and precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble? So what kind of materials are you using to build your life, or, as we could say, your belief system? Gold, silver, and precious stones, which are likened to building materials, will endure and pass the test of time. They do not corrode. They do not uh, get destroyed. They endure. Amen? So, wood, hay, and stubble, that will all go, tried by fire, whatever is wood, hay, and stubble will go up in smoke. It will burn. But what is precious stones, silver, and gold will not burn. Amen. So, when Paul is, okay, so he's, when he's speaking of a gold, silver, and precious stones, he's speaking of sound doctrine. Doctrine that is actually built on this word of God, the gospel as revealed through Jesus Christ, right? Built on this, not built on some man's opinion or some man's private interpretation, but built on the pure Word of God. That's why we need to study the Word. We need to be like the Bereans. It said about the Bereans that they studied to see whether these things be so. Paul would teach, and David said, that sounds good, but now let me go home. (laughs) Is that actually in the Bible? Don't just take whatever you hear. Nowadays, all kinds of false doctrines are going around as well. Be careful, we actually have a children's song, be careful little ears what you hear. Don't just swallow it all, don't just take it all in. Mm -hmm. Have a filter. But unless you have a relationship with the Lord, unless you are a student of the word, you might not be able to filter right. Amen? Amen. So, whereas wood hay and stubble are the beliefs that are founded, that are not founded upon the finished work of Christ. Now, for example, the word wood. Let's look at wood hay and stubble. The word wood here is the same word translated stocks in Acts sixteen twenty four. It says, "Who having received such a charge thrust them into the inner prison." and made their feet fast in stocks. So stocks was wood with holes for the offenders' feet, hands, and head. You could be put in stock in the public marketplace where your feet were here, your hands were here, and your head was there. Then when you were put in stocks, you were completely Mm bound, right? So Paul was saying, you could be building into your life life doctrinal beliefs that will bring, bring bondage in your life. For example, if I say, oh, you know, healing, that was for the day of the apostles. I'm sick, I need healing, but Jesus doesn't heal today. Well, I'm actually building bondage because I will have to continue to live with the sickness, because, say, God doctors can't heal it, and I believe that healing was from the past. I keep myself in bondage because I have this wrong belief. Yeah. And if I believe that as a missionary I should be poor and yeah. barely scraping by, then I put myself in bondage to poverty. But we can bring ourselves into bondage by wrong beliefs. Yeah. So that is like the wood, the stocks. We, we allow ourselves to be put in stocks. And hey, so actually... Okay. I want to to read. So in Strong's Concordance, the word "hay." When we think of hay, we just think of some flimsy little straw. But in the Strong's Concordance, the word "hay" was a court or a yard, or by implication, a pasture. You know what a pasture was? It was but it was like an enclosure, where they would put the animals in. What do you call a feeding enclosure? And then, when the animals were, not a stable, an outside feeding enclosure, but the animals could only eat whatever they were fed. They could not roam freely and eat whatever they wanted. In a sense, you could say they were force fed, whatever whoever fed them (coughs) decided that they could have to eat, right? So this could be, Paul could be speaking about in a situation where you have been force-fed certain doctrines and beliefs and you had no way of finding anything else. There are people that are members of a cult. They wholeheartedly believe that what they believe is the right doctrine and they're being force-fed. They're not allowed to listen to anything other than what the cult leader gives them. And so they're being forced fit. They're in that enclosure, they're being forced fit. And so that is like hay. They're, they're just being forced fit that hay in that enclosure, right? And stubble. Stubble is like the stalk of grain, which is also, like a, it's also called a reed. A reed was a stalk that had been dried up and stripped of all nourishment it was used for starting a fire or cut in certain lengths and used in a building site for measurement. So there are different, there's a lot of scriptures where they mention the, the use of reeds in the Bible. So Paul is saying, you could build into your life a doctrine that has no nourishment or a doctrine or belief system that is going to cause you to try to always measure up to something. So, when in verse 13, he says, every man's works, not every man's deeds, Mm. every man's works, uh, what he builds into his belief system shall be tried by fire. Immediately, people think of the fire as judgment. Right? But, Look at Hebrews 12, 29 says, Our God is a consuming fire. But what else do we know about God? Besides being a consuming fire, God is? Love. Love. Whatever he does towards any one of us, he does it because it's the best. It's the most loving thing that can happen to us. Amen? Amen. So, um... Also in first John four eighteen it says there's no fear in love. There's absolutely no fear in love. So when we think about the judgment seat of Christ, there should be absolutely no fear associated with that. Yeah. I believe that the consuming fire of God's love is going to deliver us from all of our wrong beliefs. Yeah. The beliefs that kept us bound, the beliefs that kept us. False fed wrong doctrines, the beliefs that gave us no nourishment and caused us to always seek to measure up, we are going to be delivered. I believe it's going to be a time where we will be delivered. All of a sudden our eyes will be fully opened. We will no longer see through a glass darkly, but face to face, and all of that will be washed away from us. It will be gone. We will be set free. Because if we were not, I believe it's a preparation to truly enter into the kingdom of God. Where there is perfection, complete unity, 100% love. If we all come with all our old hang-ups, and that I believe, because there's no judgment. All judgment was placed on Christ, right? But all of those belief systems that we didn't let go of, that we're still holding on to, that are still hindering us, our our joy, hindering our fruitfulness, all of that, one day, Jesus is going to truly, his love is going to be so overwhelming. We are going to see as we have never seen before. And we are going to be delivered. We are going to be set free. Amen? Amen, amen, Amen. bravo. So, just one But it says that they will suffer loss, that we shall suffer loss. Now, I just want to get, um, for example, have you ever wished, like, you really came to learn things you never knew, and you looked back, you think, if only I had known this, Years ago, I would have done so many things different. And you feel like you lost years, where you could have done things better, you could have done things differently, right? So you lost time, you lost part of your life where you could have been so much more happy, so much more fulfilled. You could have been much freer. So... I want to say when Jesus talked about the two men that built upon a rock, in First Peter two five, it says. Um, here we see. Okay, let me read it from my Bible. But First Peter two five. 1 Peter. Chapter two. Verse 5, it says, You also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house. What kind of house are we building? A spiritual house. So I believe that we are each building the house that we will live in for eternity. It says only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. But we are investing into eternity. How we choose to live our lives now and here, what we choose to believe or not believe, determines how we are going to live in the future, in eternity. And that's why we want to do our best, not for fear of judgment, But because we are building our own house, I want to end with a story. There was this builder, he had worked for somebody for many, many, many years. And he was getting old, he was getting tired, he wanted to retire. So he told his boss, I want to retire. I can't anymore, I'm tired and I want to retire. So the boss said, I understand, that's fine. He said, but please, I want to ask you a favor. Before you retire, I want you just to build one last house for me, please. One last house. So the guy said, okay. But his heart was not in it. And he skipped on the work, and he didn't do all the procedures. He did—he sort of slapped this house together because he just wanted to get out. When he was all done, the, his boss said, you have just finished building your own house. These are the keys. This house is now your house. How do you think he felt? If I only had... We don't want to stand one day and say, if I only had... Like, okay, we can look back and say, if I only had... But because we didn't know, we didn't. But if we know... What we know, we are responsible for the things that we know, not for the things we don't know. But let's do our best for Jesus with what we already know. Amen. Amen? Amen. Okay, so I also want to finish this. It says in Revelation 21:4, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. He wants us to be happy. Amen. And in His presence, we can only be happy. Amen. Amen. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.